0: Don't be zoning out on us and and spinning around in your chair. Don't be rolling your eyes in the back of your head. Don't be staring at the ceiling.
1: Welcome to the
2: Pretense of Justice with hosts, Carmen, Roland, Sonia, Tamika, and Demarcus, where we discuss legal and current events, controversial issues, and all things justice as we advocate for injustice. Let the justice begin. And we are live.
1: Hello uh, family, thank you for joining us at another episode of the pretense of justice and we certainly have a quite interesting uh, uh, guest this evening and um, I want to start off by uh, introducing our hosts and co-hosts and all of that kind of stuff and I just want to remind everyone to please uh, hit the subscribe button and hit the thumbs up and also share the video as well. And um, I'm going to kick it over to our hosts, our my co-host, uh, Roland. Roland, do you want to say hello to the
3: world?
0: Hello, everybody. I'm Roland. I'm one of the uh, helpful uh, co-hosts of the show. And I'll turn it over to whoever's next.
3: Hey,
4: everybody. I'm Tanika. Glad to be here with you all. Um another exciting episode i can't wait we have a wonderful guest so i'm i'm here for it
3: and good evening ladies and gentlemen demarcus moore i have the um opportunity to introduce our special guest tonight which is i believe is a very not only well needed conversation for the people to hear but it actually will restore some of the faith And a lot of us that's, you know, returning citizens. So, today we have Mr. Anthony J. Wilson. Anthony J. Wilson was born October 2nd, 1971. He's a paralegal investigator and a director of Fresh Program and also a motivational speaker. Anthony was raised in Washington, D.C. and the Prince George's County area as well. He graduated in 1990 from Northwestern High School in Highsville, Maryland. In 1991, Anthony was wrongly convicted for murder and he spent 22 years in the Maryland Department of Corrections. While housed there, Anthony attended Baltimore City Community College from 1993 to 1995. Also, he attended Coppin State University from 1998 to 2001 Earning a certificate in community studies, and in 2012, Anthony was released after the discovery that there was five pieces of exculpatory Brady material that was withheld from his defense during his 1991 murder trial. This prompted Anthony, this miscarriage of injustice, prompted him to attend Howard University School of Law in 2015 where he earned his certificate as a paralegal. And after graduating, Anthony started the Great Injustice Paralegal and Consulting Services, where he assisted other defendants who were wrongfully convicted and obtained their freedom. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce to our lovely audience, Mr. Anthony Wilson. Well, thank you. Thank you, DeMarcus. I
5: appreciate that introduction. I want to thank Dr. Carmen, Tamika, Roland, and everyone else uh, for inviting me. Um, <clears throat> like Carmen says, you know, it's it, it it it's something that you still feel based on when you've been wrongly accused for something that you know you didn't do. And then the, the, the system that's supposed to be justice actually gives you injustice. And that's where I came up with the great injustice for my, my business when I graduated from how. So to get to just give a little bit of what what I do. Um I started helping uh individuals who were calling me from prison once I once I was released about helping them with their case. And so I was like, you know, I I can do I can do that, but that was not my that was not my intention. So let me say this. My intention when I came home was to get back into what I what I was into when I before I left the street, I was into like business. I wanted to open up, you know, a hair salon, a barbershop, get into real estate. I was doing uh, the auctions at the time, you know. So that's why I was into, I was a businessman. And so when I started helping the guys out and I knew the law because I studied it for all those years. And uh, one of the attorneys that I ran into, his name was Christopher Griffin. And and, um, he told me that he heard a lot about me because in the prison system, everybody called me wolf. So that's where you see the name Tony Wolf come from. So he told me to get my papers, and I was like, My papers, and I understand what he was saying. So, man, go to school and get your your pearl legal certificate so you can do this thing legitimately. So I um, saw that Howard was offering what they call a first time um, pearl legal certification program, and I had to do an essay in order to get into the program. So I did an essay on my wrongful conviction, and I was called in by uh, Dr. Dean, facts, uh, another professor, and they talked to me about what was going on, and they said they would let me in based on my essay, and told me that you know they don't, they would not discuss with anyone in the class. So, as you as you could assume, I went in the class. I was one of the individuals that knew basically how to do the law, foul motions. So everybody was like, how does guy know all this? But they never revealed it. So when we was um, graduating, um, Judge Epps from D.C. Superior Court told me to stay at the class. I talked to her and she said, "Look, you know your stuff. When you when you graduate, she said, don't work for a law firm. She said, contract yourself out, freelance, and that's where the great injustice came. So that's what I've been doing for the last eleven years. I actually just retired. So Dr. Common is, is kind of <laughs> not feeling that, but um, I didn't know I helped so many people obtain their freedom or receive some form of relief within the uh, judicial system in the court, in the courtroom. And a lot of people kept calling me like, man, I appreciate you. I had helped guys with cases. They were calling me, said, man, remember when you um, did that for me? He said, yeah, man, I made it out in court, but I forgot about it. I had just did it and just did what I was supposed to do based on what I know. And so um, when I when I started seeing when I came home, I started seeing a lot of the, the young kids on the streets. Um, it was like they had no hope and I always give everything to God first. So my spiritually, the fresh program was derived in my spirit and it came to me. Fresh, fully restoring every son's hope because all these young kids act like they didn't have hope. I'm pulling up to gas stations and they all know rolling. I know, you know, back in the day, we hustled for our money. You know, we took the the, 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 the groceries to the to the to the cow or we went out to cut the grass or something of, of of that nature where we we did something to earn the money. When I was getting out of my truck, they was like, hey, you got a dollar? You know, back in our day, we was getting nickels and dimes. They asked for dollars now. So I went into to the uh, Dollar Tree, and when I went into the Dollar Tree, I had purchased um, all the squirt bottles, all the squeegees, and, and the uh, Windex, and I poured them in the bottle. So every time one of the little youngers said, hey, hey, OG, you, you got a dollar? Here? I'd be like, yeah, I got a dollar for it. I popped the back of my truck, and I pulled out the uh, the, little, the little bottle and the squeeze and say, there you go. That's how you get your dollar. And so I was showing them that you don't just ask for your money. You got to earn your money. And so that that was basically derived from the FRESH program. So now the FRESH program, in the last four years, when um, I was seeing a lot of the police brutality, which we, we, we recently now are uh, dealing with now with Tyree, is that the interaction with law enforcement was turning more deadly. The people that are supposed to protect you was being the ones that were hurting you and killing you, which is now evident in the case that we have now. And so I started a curriculum called Knowing Your Rights and Engaging in the Political Process. So I go around the country and I teach kids how to exercise their Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment and Sixth Amendment rights when they encounter law enforcement. And I teach this in order to have those encounters to be de-escalated where it doesn't turn into a physical or verbal confrontation, and most importantly, not deadly as what we experiencing now. Secondly, we talk, we teach them about the, the political process because a lot of the kids, when I talk to them, even with my program with the other stuff I do, they like they don't know what to do. They in the neighborhood, there's no, there's no recreation center. So they're like, What are we supposed to do? We sitting on the corner, we ain't messing with nobody. However, they don't know. They have people in the community who are representatives of them, your delegates, your council members, your senators, you know, your aldermen. And so we Mm -hmm. teach them how to, first of all, register to vote And whatever age the state they're in is required in most are 16, 17. We tell them to find out who your representative is in your district and how to create uh, petitions, the letter campaign. We teach them also how to create bills, which I know a lot of, the host on the show, uh, you know, with Dr. Carmen, that you create those house bills and senate bills that are presented to a delegate or a senator that is presented to their constituents. so those bills can have arguments and testimony presented with it to be passed to become law. So we teach that part also, and so right now um, that's that's my focus now is is basically just teaching the youth and even adults because I went down to a place called Augusta, South Carolina and we was teaching those uh, youth down there and they didn't know they could tell the police they couldn't search their vehicle. They didn't know they had the right to remain silent, meaning that they didn't have to say anything to an officer once confronted, you know? And so we had to teach them, teach those individuals those things and then adults, they didn't even know that. And so across the United States, a lot of people don't understand rights that they have. And so when those rights are not exercised, then they fall into this thing where now when they go to court, all those things they said are used against them, all those things that were recovered during some type of legal search is now being used against them. And so that's what uh, our program is doing now fresh. So if anybody got any questions they want to ask, I'm open to any questions.
2: Um, Just real quick uh, in the comments section and um, shout out and welcome to everyone. Um, on the YouTube comments as well as those that are listening. Uh, You have a comment from LJ saying the work Anthony does in the community is much needed, Monica Jackson. So thank you for that uh, comment. Um, I did have a question. I I know uh, based on uh, your bio that you got in the uh, criminal system unjustly, for real, unjustly, for sure. Um, If you don't mind, can you kind of give us some insight on how that happened? How did you get to that point where you were wrongfully okay. convicted?
5: Okay, I understand that. So, I never was charged with, with the murder that I was convicted of. So, that's the thing that no one ever knew about. I was picked up on uh, questioning for some robbery charges. So back in the day, uh, for those who were in that lifestyle, when rape was, was, was very prominent. Um, it was a lot of drug dealers being kidnapped back then. If you know what I'm talking about for those in the audience. So uh, a couple of drug dealers had got kidnapped. No one was killed, but they was robbed and the police had picked me up. And when it was questioning me about, did I know anything about these, these robberies and kidnapping? And I was like, nah, And so that was basically what I was picked up on. Some hours later, a detective came into the room and asked me if I know anything about a homicide that happened on Hillmont Drive. You know, if any of y'all out there, y'all know about a place called Forest Creek. If you know about Forest Creek, y'all know Forest Creek? Eric, it's almost 90% of people in prison that's running from Forest Creek. They got some type of homicide in Forest Creek. So I told him, yeah, yeah. So I told him I didn't know nothing about it. He said, well, if you don't tell me, you know, who did it I'm gonna pay somebody to say it was you I said well do what you do so I never made a statement none of that I went to trial got convicted um so when I when I, when I went in I was already studying the law I was I was green to the law you know I had the federal guys coming into the to the county jail and I'm down the law library trying to read Merlin rules four ass five 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 and trying to understand what it means when they say the judge must do this but always was smart, but it was just trying to comprehend and understand the law and then how to interpret it when you're trying to present it to the judge. Mm-hmm. So I, I ended up becoming real sharp with it. So I came into the penitentiary and I remember I started taking a constitutionality class and I used to go up to a place called aid building. So they had some old guys there and they were seeing how I was, you know, understanding the law. And they said, man, you ever get your discovery? And I like, discovery? What's discovery? And it's like everything that the police Filed during the investigation, I said, "Nah." They said, "Request that from the police department." I requested that from the Prince George County Corruption Department. I mean, Prince George County Police, <laughs> department. and and they sent me a letter saying your evidence was destroyed. Now, remember, I was convicted in. You no, know, listen to this funny part. Now, I didn't know that on none of this mm-hmm. because I'm clean. 1991, I was convicted. 1993 i requested my police files they said my files was destroyed in 93 two years after two my two
2: years wow
5: and so the guys that was was the jobs well they said man no something wrong you need to write them back so what the in they got something called an mpia so the mpia is a merlin public information act right and the feds is called for freedom information act and so i did it again they sent me back and said, we looked in the warehouse, All your evidence has been just, just destroyed. It doesn't exist. So they said, man, something up with you. Today. And it's back in 94 now. Mm-hmm. So, so what I did was every six months, I did a request to the Prince George County Corrupt Police Department. And every time they sent me a letter, they said my evidence was destroyed. For That happened all the way into 2006. Oh, my God. 2006, I hired a, a pride investigator. Her name was Sharon Widenfield. I give her her props to this day. I called her. I said, look, this was going on. She said, she said, look, I'm, I'm going to see what's going on. Gave her a fee. About eight months later, legal mail come.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: I see a package from her, big old package. What is it? My police files. Now, all these years I've been studying the law. I've been up to the law library, like I own the law library. When I went in there and I started reading every piece of evidence they had in there pointed to some items. What? Just
2: in the police file.
5: Just in the police files. And so I did my own motion. So I did a motion called a motion for a new trial based on a new discovered Brady material and prosecutor misconduct. I gave it to a gentleman that that. Does the typing for guys. And when he came to me, he said, he finished. He said, Slim, you, that's all he said. He said, Slim, you going home? <laughs> he said, <"S- laughs> I said, Yeah. I found it. Mm-hmm. I thought I got in front of a good judge, Melanie Shaw Jeter. Mm-hmm. She granted me a hearing. I went to the first hearing. The prosecutor said, Your Honor, we don't have his transcripts. as the 18-year-old case and
3: this
5: oh and that. I, God. So the judge say, well, what y'all going to do? I said, Your Honor, can I say something? She said, sure. I said, they can have a copy of my transcript right here. I got three other copies back at the jail. Yeah. There judge said, well, that's all. Yeah, yeah I, I know. I'm Let's there.
2: clap on
5: that. <laughs> so I gave him that. But I had did something um, unusual. I asked the judge could I talk to the prosecutor? Because the prosecutor said they didn't have my transcript. So the judge said, "We." Well, You have a problem talking to the defendant? It was like, nah. So I went into the judge, let us go talk into the jury room. And then I told the prosecutor, I said, man, I'm innocent. And the prosecutor said to me, he said, I noticed you said that to Judge Johnson during your sentencing. Y'all ain't catch that, did y'all?
2: So, so this is the the fresh new person in the 2000s saying he noticed I'm assuming it's a guy, I don't know, or he did. This, you know,
5: this, this one I was going for my hearing in 2008.
3: Right,
2: I, but he said I, he noticed at the time back in in the 90s, you said you, said you yeah. were innocent. Yeah.
3: After he said, <laughs> he
5: said, what What did he say, Demarcus? Right, after he just said he had a transcript. There you go. Oh, I'm, slow a duh. I'm slow, I'm slow.
2: Show I did.
5: You called it. him in the lie. Yeah, I didn't catch it at the time because, you know, I'm in the courtroom. I'm trying to get home. Right. When I got back, I said, this prosecutor just said he didn't have my trial transcripts, but just told me in the, the uh room. I read that in your transcripts that you told Judge Johnson that doing mm-hmm.
2: sentence. Mm-hmm. Did he say that on the record?
5: It, it was it When I told you, I did it privately. He oh, yeah. He talk to the prosecutor privately. Mm-hmm. So, um, what? What? Why I was so happy that he had my trans, my copy of my trial transcript because the copy of my trial transcripts pointed out all the deficiencies in their case. So mm-hmm. when he, went to my, he got to see my markings, my highlights, like he was lying here, so they got the chance to see all that. And So wow. that was the things that I was, you know, uh, I liked about that part. So um, they had a they had a, a, a prosecutor at the time, um, Alana Gales. And um, they said she was the hardest-nosed prosecutor in PG County at the time. I don't know if y'all ever heard of her, but she retired now. And they said she don't give nobody nothing. Mm. All I got to tell you is, she gave me something, but not what I wanted. But she gave me something. So when I went into the courthouse, I went to I went back to court like six times. I went to court June the 13, 2008. They postponed August 22nd, 2008. They they went for the hearing. That's when he didn't have the transfer. I gave mine. He came back January like the fifth, two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. They wasn't ready. Came back. The judge gave him like three weeks. We came back January the twenty eighth. He said they still wasn't ready. The judge said, "If y'all not ready, when I when I set this new hearing, he's obviously Judge Judah said, "I'm setting it in for April, the 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 tenth or something." She said, "Y'all better be ready. If y'all not, I'm gonna give Mr. Wilson whatever he asked for." They said, okay, Your Honor. So I went back, waited, came mm. in and it was the the public, the public pretender they gave me. She was she she came to me, she said, they offered you 30 years. Now parole. And
1: I'm crying, I was crying about three.
5: I, I did I I never told Oof. you about my initial sentence was life without parole, plus 20 years. 20- <sighs> And so oh they, said, all you, they said we they offer you 30 years. So she said I took it based on the sentence that you initially had. So I ended up talking to the pro um, the pro investigator, Sharon. I said, look, I ain't trying to, you know, take this deal. I want to fight them because all the evidence show I didn't do it. So Sharon was like, look, Tony, take the deal. I'm gonna work with you in trying to prove your innocence. And I'll tell y'all about that part that's going that's still going on to this day. And I said, okay, cool. So we took the um the 30. You know, came home, and when I came home, we've been trying to find this guy. I only had one witness. That was the guy that lied. Mm. All right. We finally found him. Investigated, went and talked to him, and everything. He said he don't want to help. Him. So wow. that's what we have. He said he don't. He don't want. It. He said he don't want to come back to Queen. He don't want had nothing else to do with. It.
2: So how long did you stay behind bars?
5: Uh, 22 years.
4: Oh. So, I, I've got a question
5: as well, years. if you if you Hold don't no, mind. My... Let's so make sure Dr. Comet is okay. I don't want to out. I, I, I,
1: I mean, because <laughs> I, I mean, y'all know I talk to, you know, men and women every day, and they be telling me 21 years, 25 years, 30 years, you know. I was just talking to a brother today and I think it's been like 26 years and you know and they don't understand in my mind the the 3 years and months I was there felt like 30 years but people don't comprehend that and it's really it really bothers me cuz they don't comprehend that and um I, my my hat go out to you king all right miss christopher
4: yeah. absolutely hats off hats off to your brother having a bad hair day but hats off Uh, (laughs) so uh two it's a two-part question um did you have a public defender when you were trying to prove you're innocent and you know letting them know Mm -hmm. did you have a public defender i
5: had that was so this is so this is why i give god all the glory and everything me and my i actually just did a documentary uh dr common came and she was one of the speakers on the panel I did a documentary called A Felon Freed Me. In that documentary, my brother paid for like five lawyers for me. I had one of the most prominent attorneys in Prince George County as my trial attorney, Mr. Robert Bond said, which I just interviewed him maybe a month ago. So he's on my my documentary that's the contiguous is a four part. So he's on the um, the last part of my documentary. Mm-hmm. And my, 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 my brother paid for five attorneys. And I just kept getting denied. kept getting, and he was like, he was frustrated. And I was like, I'm in the in a pen. I'm in a in a annex and Jess. I'm like, look, man, I'm trying to get home, man. I'm innocent. He was like, man, I want you home, bro. But I'm keep kicking all this money out. And I'm like, man, so what that mean, you know? And so we hired this one last attorney. She didn't do nothing. And so I told my brother, I said, look, I got, I just got my paperwork back. I'm gonna file this motion. So I did the motion myself. And um. I for a lot of people that don't understand, like I'm a dreamer. I found out I was a dreamer. So I I actually dreamed about my release. You know, a lot of people I I don't tell it to everybody because a lot of people don't I have an understanding of that, but I dreamed about the judge I was, I was going in front of. I didn't know it was Judge Dietz. I know it was a woman judge and all that. But um God God basically wanted me not to give my glory to man because if my brother would have had one of those attorneys get me out, I'd been like my brother got me out, this, this, and that. But God said he don't give his glory to no man. And so that's why I always praise God for everything. That's why I don't cry about nothing. Being home, I'm going on 11 years now, I've been home. I don't ever cry to God about nothing. I'd be like, thank you. I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? I'm a cry baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm a cry baby. I'm,
1: I still cry. I don't care. So the
4: second part to my question, bro, is this because had they had just looked at the discovery and looked at your file and actually read it. Right. The public defender or a hired attorney, they would have been able to see you were innocent because there was no evidence against you. They so. Withheld it. Exactly. And what, what I've noticed is they say in order to get your discovery, your attorney has to request it. So my question is, why didn't any attorney at least try to do that?
5: All right. So the initial attorney, Robert Bond, said. That was one of the key things that helped me out with this, because during my motion hearing, he was asking for certain things from the prosecutor. And the prosecutor, like one of the things he asked for, he asked for the fingerprints that was supposed to be that came off a gun that was supposed to be linked to the murder. He said, well, we need a, we need the fingerprints. If you're saying that my clients for their access to this weapon, the prosecutor said, oh, no, we're not using that. The judge say it don't matter if you're using it or not if you got if you took fingerprints off the gun and you're trying to say this this defendant mm-hmm. you can say we need to know what the results were no one ever revisited re- so when i went to trial i mm-hmm. never came back to your honor we never got the results of the fingerprints you know uh the witness the witness gave a statement that said that he wasn't even there during the time of the, of the murder but he was the one that pointed me out the only one And then he made a statement that said something totally different so one of the key things he said that really helped me out was he gave an additional statement to the police and they asked him what color sweat hood that the uh the uh shooter had he said he was wearing a white sweat hood but during my trial he said the shooter was wearing a dark sweat hood so the judge asked him repeatedly said are you sure you're saying a dark sweat hood he said yeah it was dark your honor but his additional statement, he said the dude had on a white sweat hood. Then he asked him, did he have any hair on his face? He said, no, the guy had hair around his chin and this, this, and that. But in his additional statement, he said the shooter was clean shaven. So he had gave all these contradictions, evidence that I kn- I didn't know about it. And that's what my attorney was saying, that had we had this evidence, we could have we cross-examined him. And then the jury would have had what they call reasonable doubt as to, you know his testimony as to me being the person. Is that the
1: same guy that um, just recently said he didn't want anything to do with coming back to court, or is this a okay. whole different guy?
5: Nah, it's only one person. It, right. He is been to my case. It, if if he were to come back right now, and say I want to do the right thing, let them know that the Prince George County corrupt the police department told me to say it was him, then I would go. I would get paid. I would be exonerated, and that and that's what it is because that it was him. That was it. So he is the same guy. Is what he's I'm trying to say. Yeah, he's the same guy. You know, and so um right now um we know where he at is just trying to get him to do the right thing. That's it.
2: So it is it I want to make sure I understand correctly. So the witness somewhere admits that he was able to get off on charges or get less charges based on pointing a finger at
5: you? Mm. No. So, we we didn't know anything about none of that stuff because they withheld all that.
2: Uh-huh.
5: All we know is that when he testified to at my trial, he had gave different uh, statements that contradicted his testimony. We never had that. So, okay. so, anything about deals that were made, anything like that, we we don't know anything about deals that was made. We just know that what he testified to at my trial didn't match what he told the police. Gotcha. The, that the question.
4: Because he was making it all up.
5: Well, we know who, we know who gave him what to say. I know that. It's just proving it. I always tell people, studying the law is you have to prove it. When I went to law school in Howard, the, the professor said, you can... File any motion. You can do any appeal, but he said, "Can you prove it?" And that was the whole thing. Yes. Yes.
2: Wow. So, in order for you, are you trying to get, um, like exonerated or your record wiped clean? And I'm assuming that him coming forward would Why do not? that. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So we got two options. That's going on. All right. So I have an attorney that I I used to do work for. I, I helped her actually uh get several several guys home and also got i did a case with her where a guy was actually exonerated he received like 2.5 million dollars from um from merlin and she basically said that she wants to help me prove my innocence so what i recently did was i um i had i i I established a report with the custodian of records for prince george county a police department and Uh so I, I told her what my situation was. I told her I'm retiring. I'm not doing it, but I need her to pull my files. And so she said, okay. So she expedited my files. So I told her what was going on. When she called me back, she ended up reading some of my stuff. And on my and when she called me on the phone, she said, you are actually innocent. She said, the guy said he wasn't even in doing the shooting. Hmm. I said, exactly. I said, but it's trying to prove it, you know, yeah. and it's got. You know, I need him to basically just, you know, do the right thing. And the second thing is uh, doing a petition for pardon with the governor. Mm. And so that's the, that's the second route that, that we can
2: okay. go. Okay. Okay. Um, somebody in the comments, uh, Doreen says uh, he was probably told not to say nothing. So I'm assuming she's talking about the witness, the yeah. supposed alleged witness. Wow. So how, how did you, and, and, um, team just jump in when you have questions. I'm not trying to monopolize by any, (laughs) by any means. How did you get through 22 years when you're innocent? I mean, I straight up want to flat out. No, How,
5: how did you do it? all right so for those who know me so there's a lot of guys who've been coming home right Mm -hmm. so this is what y'all don't know i know almost like 75 percent of the 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 merlin prison system and they know Mm. me although the markets know this but everybody knows me so when i came home i didn't know i was going to be moved into helping people come home but when i was in i had a mantra that i used to say all the time. It was only one thing I said, it was always about getting home. So when people used to say, What's up, Tony Wolf? I said getting out of jail. What's up, yeah. Tony Wolf, working on my case? What's up, Tony Wolf, going to the law library? Anything I said out my mouth was always about freedom. Mm. So my child was home on the street, but my body was in wow. behind the wall. So I never was in prison. So when I came home, all my buddies knew when I was basically coming back. They like slippers, like you've never been locked up. I said I wasn't physically; I was there, but mentally, I was always on the streets. Wow.
2: Okay. Wow, that's really, really interesting. Um, I
3: I had, I had a sure, sure. Because I mean, a lot of people see most people. I know a lot of viewers watching this actually know you, so they understand the magnitude, and I think it's real important that. I think it's real important that enough people tell you thank you how much they appreciate you because it's a very, behind the wall, it's like a very slim chance when people actually hear you when you're screaming about your innocence. Let alone them hearing you, but it actually coming, like it's actually coming to light, And I know from experience from being in a system that, I know when you went home and over gave overturned, I'm talking about you lit, you brought sun to the darkest tunnels. I'm talking about the darkest tunnels lit up. Still to this day, I remember when I had my parole gave me a five year hit. The first thing I did when I got back on the tip was call him. What can I do? How can I over? Can I? Can wow. I appeal? That's the first thing I did was call him. Somebody get him on the phone because everybody was calling him, and he had the not only the patience but the time to be able to talk to certain people and ask certain questions and stuff like that. I got a um uh, uh, uh older oh, cousin of mine a clover line and on this clover line the shirt say against all odds and the meaning of he got um despite success being very unlikely he or she was able to do it against all odds and then when you hear the story you just think like dang you got these dark days 22 years you innocent ended- we talking about Brady violations was just blatantly just corruption that's blatant corruption like it don't mm-hmm. even get worse than that. Was able to twenty two and then come back into society, sane and normal. Well, maybe on the outskirts, but that's really my question. Like, how is your every single day adjustment back into society? Because some well, people felt like their own. Well, Demarc, you you knew me, so a lot of guys knew how I was. Everybody
5: knew I was, just, you know, I was one way. Everybody tell you, Demarc said, I never changed. The whole time, they said, man, Slim, that's how he is. And so when I, when I, when like the Marcus called me, everybody was calling me. I had four phones at one time. Four <laughs> phones. And when they called me, I, I basically, like, what you need? You know, like I got, I got a call I got like five calls this morning from WCI, uh Hagerstown, uh North Branch from John, you know, from from school, all of them called me, man. I would need you to take care of this. I said, I got you, I got you. So I get those now, it's it's kind of slowed down now because I'm not doing it in that capacity anymore. But back then with the market tell you,
3: I was having like like 50, 60 people call me a day. More cases than law than most lawyers. I know more yeah. people that call day oh, attorneys.
5: Yes. And I told people, that's why I tell people, I said, I'm not an attorney now. Um my thing was that I'm more passionate about it because I've been there. So I was the, I was the individual that y'all don't know about that were going to Baltimore City in the hood talking to witnesses about a murder that happened 20 years ago and dudes looking at me like, who is this dude? You know, so I had to call out the certain dudes that were home that knew the city and be like, hey, wolf, I got gotcha. you. You know, so Rhonda, I had that 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 pull based on other guys who knew people that I couldn't get in to those particular neighborhoods, but I had connections. And so I was able to talk to those guys and get an understanding. And so that's the thing I really want to talk about. That's why I want to do a world tour about the cases that I worked on and how I went through those challenges of having people talk to me. But once I explained to them my situation, now I can tell it now, but I didn't tell lawyers back then. All the lawyers used to say, Tony, how do you get these people to talk to you? And I always joke. I said, if I tell you that I had to do something to you, but I can't tell you. but what, what I would do is I would always tell those individuals, let me tell you my story. Mm-hmm. Then i say, look, I was wrongly convicted back in 1991. This is what happened to me, and then I found out was evidence. So I would tell them me so they can look at like, damn, for real? I was like, yeah, I said, that's why I'm out here, you know, trying to see if this person is, is actually innocent. Is there evidence that was not uh, uh, revealed, or mm-hmm. was there testimony that was un Un, not uncovered. So I always had to say, don't leave no stone unturned. And so that's the way, that's the way I move, and that's why a lot of results happen with a lot of guys that came home. And um, I recently got a call from a guy that I did something for him, and I forgot I did it for him. And he called me and said, Hey, hey, Tony, what's up? I said, Man, what's up? You know, you know, I don't know. What he said, man, you know this, is he doesn't know he man. It's King. I said, What's up, King? He said, Man, you never believe it. that's what's up. He said, Man, I'm home. He said, man, remember that motion you helped me with? I said, yeah. He said, man, they exonerated me. Wow. I did, a, I did a motion for him to do DNA testing on a hat and a pair of gloves that they never tested back then. And they tested and found out that his DNA was not on that hat and glove that they said was, was at the murder scene. Mm-hmm. He called me back and said that they offered him like one something million. You know, he bought him a Baltimore City. And so, but I they say, broke well, behind, I but keep yeah, going. I, you know, I, I, like I said, you know, I, I can tell y'all so many stories. That's why I'm done with this. I'm like, I can tell y'all so many stories that, like I said, it, it's it's, it, it's amazing, you know, even with me on the work, because I never did it for clout. I never did it for recognition. I did it to basically justify what they did to me wrong. Mm-hmm. So when I remember talking to a line of gals. So me and a line of girls end up becoming, you know, real close. And, and I remember one day I came out of one of the courtroom hands because she started seeing me in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was going to stand testify with one of the guys that was coming home. And she came out the courtroom. She said, you're very articulate. I said, thank you. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She said, are you bitter? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you what I told her. I said, I'm going to show you how bitter I am by how many people I helped get out of prison. Oh, I- wow. But I told her. She said, okay, Mr. Wilson, all right, you know, <laughs> she understand. And so every time she would see me, she would just come in and she'd say, you with this case? I'd be like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. So, so That basically was my whole thing, and that's what the documentary is going to entail at the end. At the end of my documentary, um, for those who want to see my docu- documentary, you can go into www.afelonfreebie.org. And you can pull it up, and you can go see see the documentary there. That's just the first part of the documentary. But we have three more parts. We have a part where I have guys who I helped get out of prison. That they it's only that's only going to be like thirty to forty five minutes with guys that I helped. I was made like twenty guys that talk about how I kept them sustained, how I helped them, you know, keep their mind right. And the third part is a case I just finished. It was my last case. Um, I helped a, uh, an attorney out with this particular guy. He's in Mattoxson. So I finished his case. And then the last part of my documentary is me basically doing what I'm doing now, telling my story as to what happened to me in 91, what happened to me during the course of my incarceration, and what happened with me when I came home and what and what I did during the course of the last 10, 10 and a half years. And That's people. what's
2: up. Can, do you mind giving that uh, website to your documentary again? I want to type it in the chat also.
5: It's www.com.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Dot
1: a felon freed me. Dot org. A felon freed me. Dot
5: org.
1: Yes. Yes.
5: Gotcha. Okay.
0: All right, can I can, I I need to ask a question. Um, I appreciate you brother. And, um, I look at you as a law master, not an attorney, not a lawyer, but a law master. Okay. And and it's kind of still, I'm trying to stick with some of the things that I heard you said at the beginning. And you said you went to South Carolina and you, you guys were talking to some children, some kids, young adults or whatever, and they didn't know that they had the right to remain silent. Now, with the climate of what's going on right now today, when we have the Scorpion crew out going up and snatching the young brother out the vehicle. He was never even given a chance to remain silent. You see, so my thing to you, with you being a lawmaster, how in the world do we avoid anything like that again?
5: All right, so um, I don't know how true it is, but... You know, on my on my phone, I, I deal with the legal world, so a lot of legal stuff comes to my feed. From what came to my feeds earlier today, and I was telling my lady that I thought it was personal because if you saw, if I only seen the video, one of the officers was just kept hitting the guy and kept hitting him, and come to find out, this is what they saying. I don't know if it's true that he was having an affair or something, or was doing something with his his wife or ex-girl or something like that. So that particular situation was personal with that guy. I don't know if y'all, did anybody hear about that? That he was dealing with the one of the officer's girlfriend? I, I, I heard something yeah, I about that. I just it. heard it yeah. today. Yeah. Okay, so that was what it is. And that, because I when I saw him I said, man, that's personal, you know, because you just don't do that as an officer, you know. And so with a situation like that, it's, it's hard to say this, because I don't know if y'all remember an incident that happened a few years back where an officer had handcuffed the guy and shot him seven times in the, in the front seat. That happened. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that officer, he's been sitting. So you don't, you, you don't, one thing I always tell people that you have to remove the uniform and look at the person. The uniform is only the job. The person is the one that's committing that. But people keep saying, police is police is. It's it's a human being that's doing the act, and so what I tell Roland, what I tell the youth when I teach them is, as hard as it may be, yes sir, yes ma'am. I call it the I call it the two C's when I teach this class. I say comply, and complain later. Those are, those are the two C's. Just whatever, yes sir, and then you might get knocked around, whatever, whatever. Prayfully and faithfully, you you make it through that ordeal. But when you complain later, you get your results, you know, and this young man didn't make it in that result. And, and the whole thing about it, it's going to be a lawsuit that's going to, you know, come out financially, but to what cost? So the loss of her son, right. she will have a son, then a financial gain. So to your answer with that, I always just say, Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no matter what it is. I, I've been stopped by police several times. And I'll give you, I'll give you a story that happened with me. I was headed up to Baltimore. I had I caught a flat tire right there by the old uh, Landover Mall and um the Ken Ken went Moore Winmore shopping center. So I'm sitting there waiting on um roadside assistance. So I hear a knock at my window, I look, it's a state Merlin State trooper. And he said, Can I see your um license registration? I said, sure. So I get my license registration, he go back. So I know he ran me or whatever. Then he come back, he gives me everything. He said, Um, um can I ask you a question? Sure. He said, he said, where was you headed to? <laughs> you see how you look to me? And I'm like, Yeah,
2: like what they got to do with yeah, that's what that okay.
5: to do it? Yeah, but But this is what I'm telling you about my life. This is how I love my life. So I said, Well, can I show you where I was headed to? said, sure. So I gave him my phone where it was actually a a message from one of the attorneys I was working for where I had to go serve a subpoena on a witness in a murder trial in Baltimore City. And she was like, Tony, I need you to go serve the subpoena. Uh, The judge is not... And when the the, the state trooper read that, he said, oh, well, hold on. I'm gonna go call SHA for you. Y'all know what SHA is? I don't. (laughs) State State Highway Administration. Uh, I didn't know I didn't know what SHA was until the officer told me. He said, I'm gonna call SHA for you. And I said, okay. So he called State Highway Administration. They were there like 10 minutes. So I had to I had to counsel my uh DICO, you know, uh, roadside decision. But I used that sort of how because he saw what field I was, it mm. changed his mindset. mindset totally. I was crazy. But I believe that I go through these things because it's be it's gonna be something that I'm gonna give to the world later on. Because those experiences show you that. They look at regular citizens. They don't know that you in some capacity in that field will treat you like you nothing because they use it in their power in the wrong way. That's you know he, you know what he treated you like at
0: that point. Once he saw that, he treated you as a citizen. He treated you as a natural citizen. He he. He 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 didn't look at you because of how you look, because he once he saw that you knew something, he was like, uh oh, I'm dealing with a a real person here. And that's that's what I take from it. Yeah. He knew who he was dealing with after that. He knew you wasn't no dummy. Yeah. He knew you wasn't no straw man.
5: Yeah. Gotcha. I know what you're talking about.
1: So uh due to the fact that um Anthony. His mama called him Anthony. So Anthony. uh, (laughs) Anthony. Um, uh, you know, had the same experience that I, I had in terms of being innocent. Um, for me, it's very important that we have, um, virtual remote access in the courts here in the state of Maryland. And, um, and so we wrote a piece of legislation called HB 133 for uh the House of Delegates and then also SB043, which is for the the state senate. And um uh Rhonda, are you prepared to yes, turn the video on real quick? I spoke last Wednesday um in both the House and the Senate. Um and um Go ahead and hit the button, I guess. Okay,
2: so yeah, we're we're gonna share uh Dr. Carmen's speech. Just a second here for the family. So here we go.
1: Hello, uh Chairman Smith and the honorable uh Senate. Um thank you for uh hearing our uh proposed legislation that we hope that you guys will vote uh, appropriately. Well, let me tell you who I am. I am Dr. Carmen Johnson. I am the director of Court Watch and Judicial Accountability for Prince George's County, a pillar under LAR. I am the founder of Helping Ourselves to Transform. I am the chairwoman of Advocacy and Legislation for a Reentry Board. I was invited to help create with other organizations over a year ago called MSARC under the U.S. Attorneys of the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Maryland. I sit on other boards and committees, including the United Nations. I am a new author of a book called The Pretense of Justice. However, I stand here today in my individual capacity, an impacted indigenous American woman. I still maintain my innocence today. And thankfully, the DOJ is in Washington, D.C., is looking into my case. If there was remote access in 2015, when I went to trial, I would not have been found guilty and dragged off to a jail that same day because, in many, because many eyes would have been watching what had happened to me. At that camp, I was brutally beat by male guards, stumped, kicked, and spit on quite often. I was strangled once until I passed out. For 31 days, I was ordered under a T5 hot light, and it felt like a microwave in my body. As an innocent woman, I did not deserve this experience and this is why court remote access, public access is necessary. I train our court watchers to be unbiased and objective when collecting data in the courtrooms and we have sat in over 5,400 bond review hearings and 200 plus criminal proceedings. 200 plus criminal proceedings over two years and have been strictly remote access in the courts with no behavior issues from the community or our court watchers. This is not 1723. This is 2023 and the technology is there in DC and in Florida. Why can't we have remote access? Please vote favorably to court remote public assets for transparency and accountability. No innocent Merliner should have to go through what I went through. And if this injustice happened to me, with no remote public access, it could happen to you. Injustice happened in empty courtrooms. Thank you.
2: Okay, there you go. Great job uh, trying to get the hand claps.
1: That was a a great job. Thank you. We didn't hear it, but, you know, but anyway but the per- i know for me it would have been really, really good if remote access was in the courtroom because then they would have you know the community and people would have seen wait a minute you know this woman is 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 innocent and so i take this this piece of legislation very very seriously because you know there should be you know we're not in 1723 you know we're in 2023 and the community has a right the the community has a right to see what's happening in the courtrooms, and um, and for Maryland to be such a prestigious state and which we are a very prestigious state, but it's so much corruption that that happens. And I'm not saying everyone is corrupt in the system. I'm not saying that, um, but there's a lot of corruption and so much so i was not prepared for it because i believed in our system i believed in our our country i believed in the, the state of maryland and when that happened to me it just absolutely blew my mind and so we are in the second stage of this uh getting this legislation passed and so we are negotiating with uh the the the, the chief judge uh of maryland and um uh, a state prosec- a state attorney for Baltimore County and then uh, uh, Anthony is uh, the Maryland Prosecutors Association or something like that I think it's called that for prosecutors and Mm -hmm. so they are uh, we are in you know the process of negotiating what the language should look like I don't think cameras or zoom or remote access should be in Uh, Juvenile hearings or domestic violence hearings or bankruptcy or divorce, anything that's dealing with finances, but like criminal cases and bond hearings and uh, preliminary hearings and um, tenant landlord hearings, cameras or remote access should be in those particular um, hearings. Thank you.
5: Yeah. Also, you can add to that that they've been doing remote hearings now based on the pandemic so people will have access to the courts through the zoom
1: yeah for yeah so i've set in about over 5600 hearings since um february 4th 2020 and for the last 2 years it has been zoom access mm-hmm. and um however when uh you know there was a lawsuit filed on pretrial services they took our Zoom from us. However, they did give us audio, but you know, that's not the same thing as Zoom. And um, you know, I'm just, you know, optimistic that this piece of legislation is going to to pass and um is needed.
5: Yeah. Utilize the trials that we we, you know, all the big trials that we were that we were um seeing virtually far as O.J. Simpson trial, Kobe Bryant trial, you know, those trials, we was able to be sitting at home watching them mm-hmm. from, from home. So,
2: uh, And I guess, um, uh, Dr. Carmen, before we uh, wind down and do our last words regarding the bill, is there anything that the public can do?
1: THEY CAN CERTAINLY CONTACT SENATOR VICE CHAIR SENATOR Rosa Pep IS THE SPONSOR ON THE SENATE SIDE AND VICE CHAIR uh, DELICATE MOON IS THE SPONSOR ON THE HOUSE SIDE ALONG WITH DELICATE NICOLE WILLIAMS AND THEY CAN CERTAINLY CONTACT THEM AND SAY THAT THEY WANT HB 133 TO PASS AND OR SB 043 TO PASS. Um, THEY CAN ALSO CONTACT THEIR OWN um, HOUSE Delegate or their own um, state senator as well in terms of HB133 or SB043, remote public access to the courts, something like that. Court remote public access, that's what it's called. Perfect. Court remote public access, because we need to see what's going on in these criminal um, hearings, um, because a lot of people are going to to jail for things that they did not do, and it's really unfortunate. And um, yeah, we just gotta just we 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 just gotta know that something has to change, and it has to get better, and it it can't continue to stay the same, which is mass incarceration on our people. And so, for me, I believe in mass liberation, and I also believe in diversion programs. I believe in. Um, You know second chances um i even though i'm innocent i don't judge anyone and you know i've gotten people out of jail prison camps and cages and i continue to do that unlike you know anthony you know i still hurt you know i'm a i'm a female so i i still hurt from what was done to me and so i commend him i commend you you know king for being able to to you know to not let it bother you for all those years but it still affects me. So. Yeah. And with that said, uh, people please uh share the the podcast and also hit the subscribe button and um hit the likes.
2: Yeah, and I know uh we're we're winding down and we definitely want to be respectful of your time uh Tony but before we uh wind down and get out of here, I just would like for you again to tell us how we can reach uh, your organization. um, And also again, give us uh, where we can get to your documentary. I actually pulled it up on the other computer and it looks really good. As soon as we get off the air, I'm going to have to go on and check that on out. So if you could tell us how to uh, reach you at Fresh and then tell us again how to uh, we can view your documentary.
5: All right. So, Fresh, you can go into our uh, Fresh page. It's fully restoring every son's hope.com. That's rsfullyrestoringeverysonshop E.com. So, that's what Fresh stands for. Uh, it's a um, contact where you can send a message to me, it comes straight to my phone. As uh, far as the criminal justice system, I'm not in the capacity anymore as far as a Pearl league investigator, so I don't read no transcripts, I ain't contacting no witnesses, I ain't going out no courthouse unless I'm going in there for a defendant to testify for him or something like that. I still do that, but what I'm getting into is like the role what Carmen is doing right now. Um, I want to be one that reviews uh, bills and then I can basically help revamp the bill to make sure it's stronger and maybe lobby somewhat to people to rally to help support the, those bills. Because I have testified on bills down at the Maryland General, General Assembly, which all, every bill I testified on with ban the box, uh, solitary confinement, removal for juveniles and that. Those bills I testified on, all of them passed. And so that's the capacity that I'm trying to get into Just that, that area. So that's the only way you can contact. Don't contact me about no cases. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not taking no more cases. I have many people been calling me. I'm not taking no. I'm not. So Carmen, Dr. Carmen, Dr. Carmen Johnson, all those names, just know, I'm not doing it. Now, if you need me to come and help you <laughs> with it, yeah, I'm not doing it.
2: <laughs> that's what's up. Can you uh, just once again, and I, I'm putting for uh everyone i am putting that information of his site uh fresh in the chat as well um if you could just once again and i'll drop that link tell us how to get to your documentary
5: you can go into www.afelonfreedme.org and that's only the first part of a four-part docu series the other parts of the docu series won't be out until part of the year because when we finished uh, the four-part series, uh, my my film producer, he always um, submits it to the film festival. so oh, last good. Year, yeah, last year, we got picked up by four film festivals. So.
2: Nice. Very, very nice. That's what's up. Um, I, And I guess my last question, and then I'll definitely open it up to the floor for the rest of the hosts uh, for their last questions, and then we'll wrap up. What advice slash wisdom would you give your younger self? I guess I have two. I lied. So I'll start with that one. <laughs> what ad- advice slash wisdom would you give your younger self?
5: Oh, So I, w- I would tell my younger self that it's always been the same always had i always had the the knowledge of of god you always got to keep god your how your higher power first because with that y'all asked earlier how did i do that and everything Mm -hmm. comes that gives us all our strength so i always say always my younger self to always continue to keep god first
2: nice and what advice would you give the youth
5: I would, tell the, I would tell the youth that if you ever feel like you have issues, find someone that's positive that you can trust that can give you the advice that can help you put you on the right track. You don't ever want to give negative to negative. You want to have that positive impact so you can move forward to make those positive changes in your life.
2: Nice. Nice. Thank you so much. And let me uh, definitely... Give you a hand clap on that. That's uh, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. Um, I just uh, want to turn it back over to the host. I know, uh, Roland, you have time constraints, sir. rolling tonight, do you have anything else you would like to uh, talk to Brother Tony about? Any last words to Brother no, Tony just, to I, the family?
0: I just really appreciate the brother. Thank you for coming on. And uh, I most definitely look forward to uh, seeing you, working with you, and working on some cases with you. <laughs> hey, Roland, we're going to be beefing.
2: Yeah, because he, he already done took and told you, Roland. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm,
0: just, I'm just messing with him I all know,
2: day. I know, I <laughs> know.
1: You know, y'all, y'all ain't going to give me no credit because I'm a female, but that's okay.
0: Oh, get out of
1: here. I mean, but I mean, y'all know I be banging it out and y'all not get it. I you banging it I've been acknowledging you all night. I've been I'm acknowledging
0: you all night. Didn't I say... Before you get to anything, we gotta make sure we play that piece.
1: Didn't I say that?
2: Yes, sir, you did. Thank, yes, thank,
0: thank you, Miss Carmen. <laughs> so
1: I would like to give a shout out to Court Watch PG. I would like to give a shout out to Life After Release. No struggle, no success, out for justice. Um I would like to specially thank the county council members of Prince George's County all of them for supporting our uh, legislation that we're trying to get passed and so they certainly get two thumbs up and a snap or however it go and i also want to get the um you guys know that i'm the chairwoman for advocacy and legislation for the u.s attorney for the district of maryland's re-entry board that we helped create which is msarc and um we've been uh operating as a reentry uh component under the US Attorney's office uh for about a year, year and a half or something like that. And so I just want to just let everyone know that we're doing amazing work, amazing things and um I appreciate the collaboration with the feds. It is, you know, is is you know, I learned how to forgive. And for me, forgiving is liberation. Mm. And so I just want everyone to know that um, we are making things happen with that connection. And, um, and Mr. Wilson, I'll call you if I need an investigator a couple of times. And I'm sure you're not gonna turn me
2: <laughs> He's like, look. Like I didn't took a toll. It's late. I
1: called him. up. I texted him a couple of weeks ago, and I, I said, "I said, uh, Wolf, you uh, you 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 still doing investigation work?" He sent me two letters back. No. <laughs> he didn't say how you doing, Carmen. He didn't say well, you None know of that. He said no. And i was <laughs> like, well, wow. I said, well, can you at least start sending me my Bible verses back? <laughs> he did start back sending me Bible verses. <laughs> y'all know that.
2: Well, I do want to just give a um, shout out to Dr. Carmen and all the work that she's doing and um, also her nonprofit, um, Hot Helping Others to Transform. You can check. you not part of that? Yes, I am. Our, I apologize. <laughs> Our uh, nonprofit. So definitely uh, check us out as well. A uh, lot of great work going on. There and uh, make sure that you pick up a copy, and you can get it on Amazon of Pretense of Justice. Now I'm gonna sit up here and tell y'all now. <sighs> if you a big crybaby like me, or <laughs> well, me, it's gonna take you some time to to get through. Right, right, Tamika, uh, you crybabies like us. It's a very, very well-written book. It is about uh, Dr. Carmen's journey. And um, it's a lot, y'all. I'm kind of tearing up now. And I haven't even finished, not because it wasn't enjoyable enough, but it, it's, it's a struggle for me because it was it's very heart-wrenching. It's a lot of lessons in there. Um, and especially, it's lessons for everybody. But for women... Uh, It's a great read. It's a lot of lessons in there for women, and women is something that I feel we should share uh, with young women as well. Uh, So make sure you pick up a copy of Pretense of Justice. You can get it on Amazon, and all proceeds go to our nonprofit organization, HOT. Uh, So thank you, Dr. Carmen, for all the work that we do. We appreciate you. Well, Rhonda, you gotta make
1: sure you finish the end of the book because it talks about solutions also. It's just not I know a, I, I am gonna Fuck, down. I just solutions to about and, <laughs> and You gotta you gotta get through what this what are the solutions. Yeah. Um, what are the solutions for the people? You know, to make sure that this men, women, youth that this doesn't happen to them. Okay. And so there are solutions in there. And okay. so And we're not love- the
2: only one. Shout out to Goddess. V in the comments, she says, excellent book. I had to put it down just to cope with the whole situation. See, that's all I'm trying to say, God is V. And I'm kind of tearing up up in the left eye, thinking back to what I did read, because this it's deep, but I, I promise I'm gonna I'm gonna plow through it. Um Brother I want, Tony. I want to say one
5: thing. I'm Ronald, sorry. Go ahead. Just, real, real quick, because um um, Dr. comment asked something that when we did the 15 uh, minute meeting the other day about uh, why are men more recognized than women? See, he remembered, yes, sir. And all I can say is a special lady told me <laughs> that <laughs> men are recognized because there are more men that are wrongly convicted than women. So that's why men are more out there. In the spotlight, where women I women are, like the women are. I'm saying that women aren't only convicted. There's like 90 more women. Can you show us where
4: that statistic is? Right, right. Because you know what, hard. we we might that's have
2: hard. to have you back and and just have a whole panel <laughs> <laughs> on that because I would like to do it on the the slant of the culture, the the black community slash culture of how they treat. Men being uh, incarcerated and coming home, and the support versus women. But I know that's that's something else. We can set that up at a later date. We ain't gonna, cause we gotta have rolling on here too, so I could put his feet on the coal up under that fire. So we'll circle back and talk about that. But I, you know, once again, I would really, really like to thank you for uh, coming on, uh, sharing your story with us. Um, It's just uh, incredible. It's amazing with your mindset. Um, And just hearing you talk about how you made it through and what jumped out to me was it's the energy that you put out, the positivity and how you put the vision in motion of how exactly it was going to happen. That's what the dreams were about you seeing that a woman was going to be involved and set, et cetera. And that's uh, very, very powerful. And even with the experience, the messed up, jacked up experience that you had, how you turned around and you're doing so much for the community and helping change other folks' lives. And uh, we truly, truly appreciate you for that. And uh, I want to thank you for that. Thank you. So thank you. Uh, let me give thank you, you your uh, hand claps as well. We appreciate you, Tony.
5: Right.
1: Yeah, I
2: don't like that wolf situation. That's street to me. So we appreciate but, you.
5: All right, but I'll give you this before we leave. I actually have a program I was going to um, establish with wolf, and the wolf acronym stands for Working Out Life Failures.
2: Oh, now, I like that. Now, I, I can uh, I can go for that.
5: That's, that's what's up. Right. Everything is positive with me. I told you I don't do no negativity. So. Nice, that and that is that's so. also
4: um, indigenous oh. culture. We identify with animals, that's so true. wolf is
2: part of our indigenous probably his heritage. Indian name. So you you've been given an Indian name. So okay, yes, sir. That is great. That is great. So Tamika, did you have any uh, last words for brother Tony and the family?
4: Um,
2: I pretty much you know. Hats off,
4: again, bad hair day, but hats off to you and uh, Dr. Carmen, Auntie Carmen. Um, y'all are phenomenal.
2: Yes, they are.
4: And the things that you guys gone through and to be able to stand and wake up and keep standing in the light that you're standing in is phenomenal. Yes. And I'm just here for it. I love standing, sitting next to y'all virtually, hearing your story, and being able to be supportive in some kind of way. But we need more support. We need people to watch these documentaries. We need people to read these books and share them out. Absolutely. Because these are the Martin Luther Kings, the uh, Astada Shakur, the uh, Don't Get y'all name them because I'm kind of choked up right now but you know what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. (laughs) these are the revolutionaries that in 2050 my grandchildren will be reading about because I have the book that's right so thank you let
2: me uh give (laughs) a a hand clap on that yes uh thank you thank you so much uh we love you both um we honor you both now, we're giving you your roses now. Uh, we don't take lightly what you've been through. And um, we're just so grateful for all that, that you're doing. And we, we appreciate you, so. Oh, I need to shut up cause I'm finna break down and be a cry baby, so. <laughs> Demarcus, do you have any last words? Oh DeMarcus? shoot, he did not dropped off
1: by mistake. Oh God! No, Demarcus and Roland are getting fired. Okay. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, oh they broke the fence. He did say he had another meeting. So,
1: <laughs> All right. Okay. So we see you guys next month, and um we look forward to uh, you guys sharing the video, purchasing the book, and all proceeds go to helping ourselves to transform and keep the faith up, keep love, peace and unity.
2: Thank you all very much, family. We love you much. Uh, Peace and love, family.
0: Peace.